Is this frequency in use? Welcome to Southgate Vibes, a selection of the latest stories direct from Southgate Amateur Radio News. I'm Steve Richards, Golf 4 Hotel Papa Echo. You're going to hear my personal picks of what is happening in amateur radio and the wider world of communications. Whether you're just starting out in ham radio or an experienced operator spinning around the spectrum for those rare and sometimes strange signals, I hope you'll find something to entertain you here. Welcome to Southgate Vibes. May I please be allowed to drag you away from your radio equipment for just a few minutes? Yes, I know it's difficult, but we've got some very interesting news items for you, which I know you're going to enjoy. This is Southgate Vibes, podcast number 171. And anyway, let's face it, the ionospheric conditions have been pretty dismal of late. After all the excitement of a sudden and significant upturn in propagation a few months ago, the sun seems to be taking a break, with the prospect of even a totally spotless period, much more like we got used to during solar minimum. Oh well, it'll get better, we are assured. But it shows how chaotic the sun is and how equally chaotic propagation is. There are just so many different influences on both. So, down on the island of Guernsey, a team of radio amateurs has been helping to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee with special operations under the very special call sign Golf Bravo 7-0 Uniform. And as with several other of the Ham Radio Special Jubilee activities, the attention of the press has been drawn. The Guernsey Amateur Radio Society recently got great coverage on both ITV and the BBC for their special event station for the Platinum Jubilee, callsign Golf Bravo 7-0 Uniform. Keith Le Boutillier, Golf Uniform 6 Echo Foxtrot Bravo, was interviewed by ITV and said that amateur radio is a hobby in which you can communicate with people all over the world. A lot of stations were aware that it's the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, and one thing that's become evident is the affection for the Queen across the world, even in countries over which she has no direct control. The Guernsey team have been speaking with some stations in Brazil and were quite surprised to find that they actually watched the Trooping of the Colour. They discovered that it was the same for a lot of other countries too, with radio amateurs watching the royal events on the television. You can watch the ITV News broadcast at www.itv.com forward slash news. And by the way, the GB70 uniform station also featured in the Guernsey Press. The 70 centimetre amateur radio band has always been required to share with other users, even when it's the amateurs who are classed as the primary user. Take, for example, the many short-range devices which we use in everyday life, things like the plip that remotely unlocks your car or your home weather station. These often use frequencies which are within the 70cm amateur band, commonly around 433 MHz. They are, of course, very low-power devices and usually use encrypted data. 
So it seems that ham radio and domestic devices can live side by side without causing each other too many problems. But in recent times, such low-power devices are now also being used as short-range audio links, for example, between a wireless microphone and your radio transmitter. In the Netherlands, the regulator has noticed that some people are using these unlicensed audio devices in various ways as a sort of pseudo-amateur radio, and the lines between domestically available transmitting devices of this sort and properly licensed amateur radio equipment are getting blurred. The regulator has issued a statement intending to clarify the different classes of use. The Netherlands regulator, Argenschap Telecom, has issued a clarification of the rules concerning license-exempt low-power device users and radio amateurs in the 433.050 to 434.790 MHz range. The Dutch regulator says that they regularly receive questions about the use of this frequency range. In the Netherlands, radio amateurs are the primary users, but there are also license-free, short-range device users. Arkenshap Telecom explains the rules. Interference from primary, secondary and other low-power device users must be accepted and that a user must prevent malfunctions as much as possible. Radio amateurs are primary users there, with the restriction based on the efficiency principle from the Telecommunications Act that wireless, home, garden and kitchen applications may not be functionally disturbed. This can lead to unpleasant situations, such as cars that, at critical moments, no longer unlock or want to start. Radio amateurs only make connections with other radio amateurs using equipment, including home-constructed designs, and intended only for radio amateurs. Public low-power device users make connections to equipment freely available on the market, recognisable by the CE marking on the device, and which is intended for short-range use. The key features of publicly available devices are the maximum permissible transmission power of 10 milliwatts and a fixed antenna to the transmitting device. Radio amateurs and low-power device users meet in the frequency range 433.050 to 434.790 MHz. So, in addition to the conditions already mentioned, what are the rules of the game? Radio amateurs may only make connections with other radio amateurs. Radio amateurs don't make connections with low-power device users. If a radio amateur uses a different type of short-range device and makes a connection with another low-power device user, it is not necessary and indeed undesirable to use amateur callsign letters. If a user is not a licensed radio amateur, they may not use, install or have installed equipment intended for radio amateurs in whole or in part. This applies to self-built equipment, to building kits of separate parts to be assembled by radio amateurs, but also for commercially available equipment that has been converted for personal use. Antennas do not fall under the supervision of the telecom agency, with the exception of the obligations from the antenna register. So the placement of amateur antennas by non-radio amateurs is a matter for the local municipality. In addition to these legal obligations, there are also undesirable consequences of a mixture of amateur activities and short-range device activities. Because of this mixing, the situation could arise where it's assumed that taking an amateur radio exam is less necessary because it's already possible to communicate in an amateur radio way with radio amateurs and others. 
This also creates the desire to purchase and use amateur equipment without a licence. It's understandable that those interested in amateur radio want to take a look at amateur frequencies and want to use amateur equipment. But it is important that this is done in a way that fits with the current laws and regulations, for example, under the guidance of a licensed radio amateur. It is, of course, fine to stimulate interest in amateur radio, but this should be done by enthusing people and encouraging them to take the exams and not by making connections between radio amateurs and non-radio amateurs. Finally, the regulator points out that the inappropriate use of amateur equipment is not limited to short-range device frequencies. Amateur radio operators have also been observed on other license-free frequencies, such as 27 MHz or PMR446 frequencies, possibly using their amateur equipment, and this is not allowed. Any form of license-free frequency use requires specific transmission equipment. Radio amateurs are asked to keep this in mind and to adhere to their regulations. You can read more on the Telecom Agency website, www.argenchattelecom.nl. And this information comes from the Dutch Radio Amateur Society, Veron, tinyurl.com forward slash IARU hyphen Netherlands. You are listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. It's all about radio and the wider world of communications. I picked out some of the latest stories from Southgate Amateur Radio News, and you can find a lot more by going to southgatearc.org. Trying to enthuse the UK regulator concerning spectrum interference problems can be quite a task, although I do know of several amateurs who have received really good support. Whether they get a resolution is a little vaguer. No doubt the regulator has limited resources for enforcement in the UK, and it's certainly not my place to either accuse or apologise for their capabilities in the field. But presumably, with limited human effort on hand, on the other side of the globe in New Zealand, their regulator has started to use remote equipment to investigate sources of interference. Perhaps this is something that other regulators might like to look at for the future, as our spectrum becomes more and more congested and more and more under threat from the usual suspects. New Zealand's regulator, Radio Spectrum Management, reports how remote monitoring can be used to track down a source of radio interference. Recently, they had the opportunity to put one of their newly purchased remote RF sensors to the test. A license holder in Wanganui was experiencing intermittent interference and tracking it down was proving difficult. After several trips, a radio investigator in Wellington, whose identity has been withheld, decided it was time for a new approach. The RSM investigator installed one of the RF sensors at the customer's premises. This allowed the regulator to monitor and record the radio spectrum remotely. It wasn't long before the customer called to say that the interference was back on. The investigator was able to dial into the receiver and analyse the spectrum. He was able to determine that a nearby transmitter was active whenever the interference occurred. Using this information, the customer was able to locate the offending transmitter and install appropriate filters. This was a great result for both the customer and RSM, and a fantastic example of how remote spectrum monitoring can reduce interference resolution time. 
Radio Spectrum Management is responsible for managing the radio spectrum in New Zealand. And you can find out more at www.rsm.govt.nz. Well, that's it for this time. You've been listening to Southgate Vibes, stories about amateur radio and the world of communications from Southgate Amateur Radio News. You can find these stories and many more daily reports at our website, southgatearc.org. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by sending an email to vibes at southgatearc.org. So until next time, this is Steve Richards, G4 Hotel Papa Echo, signing off and wishing you best 7-3.